Last week we talked about Fotini, the woman at the well, and how she was an evangelist and apostle all over the world. If you missed that, you have to listen. That she went into Rome. She went straight to Nero. So I have a word as I just keep ministering. Check. Father, thank you, Jesus. Speak, Lord. There's this moment at the well when when Jesus is done talking to Fotini, she leaves to go tell everyone about Jesus. She begins her evangelist work, the work of the apostle Fotini, that even up until the fourth century, sermons were written about her, and the, up until the fourth century, the church still called her an apostle and evangelist. So she began her work, but when she left, the apostles were, where, were there with Jesus. That's when Jesus said, they said, are you hungry? And he says, I have food you know not of. And he talked about the coming unity of the body of Christ. But he told a story, a parable, about, about something that I felt was relevant. He told a story, but if you, if you back up and read the story in Matthew about the, the sowing of talents, one was given 10, one was given five, and one was given one. I want you to understand what's happening here. I want you to catch what's happening as I just keep releasing. When he asked the man why, why he buried the one, the man replied and said, because I knew you were a harsh man. I knew you were a harsh man and you reap where you have not sowed. You reap where you have not sowed. And see, this moment at the well, Jesus says that same thing to them. Two different stories, but Jesus says this to them. You're going to reap where you have not sowed. He says that to the disciples. In this season, you will reap where you have not sowed. But see, the story in Matthew, the man says, I know you are a harsh man because you go into fields that did not, you did not sow into and you reap. See, Jesus is comparing himself to the master here. And in this story that Jesus tells, he never says he's not that master. Now the servant accuses him of being a harsh man for it, but Jesus never rejects that he did it. He never says, that's not true, I did not do that, you think me wrong. In fact, his answer to the man is this, if that's true, then why did you not put my money at least in the bank where I can draw interest? Why did you not plant my seed in a place that could go interest if I'm that? See, Jesus never actually denied that. He just corrected the behavior of one who believed that. I want to tell you this. Jesus is in the business of reaping where he has not sowed. That's true. The difference is, is that he is not the harsh man the servant made him out to be. See, sometimes we don't understand what it means to reap where we have not sowed. Jesus told the disciples, you will reap where you have not sowed. 2,000 years ago, Jesus reaped what he had not sowed as he hung upon a cross. See, he never sowed sickness into the world. He never sowed fear into the world. He never sowed sin into the world. 
He never sowed shame and condemnation into the world, but he reaped it on himself. He is the God who reaps what he has not sowed. He bore our sicknesses. He bore our disease. He embored our sorrows and our sin. He reaped what he had not sowed. He is the God who reaps what he has not sowed. And in this season, God is asking you one of two things. Will you sow what you will not reap? Will you sow what you will not reap? And will you reap what you have not sowed? See, the kingdom of God is not one where you are paid for everything you do. It is one where you will reap what you have not sowed and you will sow where you will not reap. We are in a season of revival, a season of outpouring that has come, not because we sowed, but because others before us in a generation that is gone sowed. There are wells of revival in the state of Oklahoma that are bursting forth because somebody else, ministries of healing, have sowed into the ground. And in this season, the seed is beginning to fruit. We will reap a harvest that we did not sow. That's what the apostles were told. That's what the disciples were explained. I'm the God who sowed, you reap. I'm the God who reaps, you sow. And what's so beautiful about this story that Jesus gives is that he calls his disciples to go and harvest something they did not sow. And he makes it so easy for them to do it. But he also gives them an out. In Matthew, the servant is conflicted. He's struggling with the idea of it. But look what Jesus says to him. As the master, he says, if that's true, if you don't want me harvesting and reaping where I have not sowed, then why not at least put my money in the bank where it can draw an interest? In this season, we've talked about you going and living out your faith and pouring out your faith to a lost and dying world, but some of you still struggle with that. It's hard on you. It's, it's scary to go and make that kind of move. That's, the, that's the, the pouring out where the other servants took the money and doubled it. They didn't just invest it in the bank. They invested it with risk. They took bold risk, and maybe you're not in a place in your life where you're ready to take this kind of bold risk. But Jesus, in his mercy and his grace, not being the harsh man like the servant thought, maybe some of you think it's so harsh, God wants me to get off my butt and go do something for the kingdom. God is willing to meet you where you are. He is willing to meet you in that place of uncertainty and say, maybe for you it's too scary to risk yet, but why not at least put my money in the bank and let it draw interest where it is safe? Why not at least start at the minimum? Do something for me. Begin to pour out where you are comfortable doing so. Don't bury the love that I've put inside of you. Don't bury the gospel, the real treasure. Do not bury the kingdom of heaven. Maybe you're scared to risk it all, but you can just simply plant it. Put it in the bank. Let it draw interest. Do something. Begin somewhere that has something on it of fruit. Make a Facebook post that says, God loves you today. Or how can I pray for you? 
Say, God bless you to the cashier. How about this one? Instead of God bless you because it's become so watered down. How about Jesus loves you? I didn't ask you to start a conversation. Ask them if they've accepted Jesus. Prophesy over them. Tell them the name of their grandchildren. Just Jesus loves you. Just something that'll draw interest. See, interest is a financial game. But what if that person, it actually draws their interest? And they say he does? I don't feel like he does. Or I needed to hear that today. See, there's a whole world that right now doesn't have this. You know, I heard on Caleb yesterday, they said that search engine queries on Google and other search engines for things like sporting events, concerts, all, all the entertainment of the world have drastically reduced that the numbers for people searching for events like sports and concerts and entertainment, rodeos and whatever, circuses and carnivals, and all of that has drastically reduced. People are just not interested in looking at that. And you could say, well, that's because of COVID or whatever, but they're just not interested. Okay, well, maybe that's just because people still don't want to necessarily get out all the time. But you know what has increased? Search engine results for people searching has reached an all-time high for things like hope, peace, love, joy. People are looking for the answers to what's missing. They're not looking for entertainment. They're looking for answers. They don't want to be pacified anymore. They want peace. They want the hope that's found in Jesus. And they don't know where to find it. And unless somebody lets them know, I know you're searching, but I have the answer. People are hungry. The harvest has never been riper. It's never been more easy. In all of our lifetime, it's never been this easy because people need an answer. They need the hope that's found in God. They need the hope that's found in gathering. They need the hope that's found in coming together. Look, why do you think the enemy has warred against us coming into contact with each other or us coming near each other or us speaking to each other? The enemy doesn't want us to find hope, but what the enemy meant for evil, God means for good, and it will backfire on him now. He has tried to keep us apart, and all he's done is make people desperate for answers. See, he forgot the science of man. You know, in this season, you know, we've done more Zoom calls and meets and all these digital things like this, and while God has blessed us with these resources and, and this ability and this technology, do you know that there are studies that are done? Do you know when I come in contact with you and I hug you, that it releases a hormone called oxytocin? And that hormone is, is known as like the love hormone. It's what makes you fall in love or it's what bonds a mother to her newborn baby. It's the bonding hormone. It actually causes bonding. Do you know when you hug a person, your body releases oxytocin? It releases that. Even when you play with your dog, it releases oxytocin. It's the bonding thing. 
When you come into contact with a person, a physical person, it releases oxytocin. They've done studies now on digital and Zoom things and, and meetings like that. And while they're great supplements, they can never quite be a replacement. Why? Because they found studies that when people meet on, on, on online video-to-video -video calls that it doesn't release oxytocin. In fact, it actually releases the other stuff, cortisol and the fight-or-flight hormones get released from your body, fight-or-flight hormones. Many times those videos have a person this close to your face. You see their face and your brain processes that they are this close to you. And when someone gets in your face, unless it's your, someone you love, and there's, there's either going to be intimacy or fight. Or it's, it's a stress. So actually they found that when people, the, the Zoom fatigue is what they call it, not because of Zoom, but just Zoom fatigue, that actually when you're on there, it creates stress hormones that stress out your body. 97% of all disease comes from stress, from stress hormones or fight or flight. Inflammation, cancer, diabetes, they all come from these fight or flight, adrenal gland, ad adrenaline rushes that come out of your system. Your body was not meant to say in a, in a, in a system, in, a, in a, a moment of adrenaline rush constantly. And they show that even six, up to 60 minutes to 90 minutes after you get done with one of those video calls, that your adrenaline is still at a high rate. Your heart pressure, I mean your heart rate, your blood pressure, your cholesterol, a lot of them shoot up. And so in this season, and why do I say that? I'm not trying to give you a science lesson. I'm trying to tell you. But when you come and gather with the body, when you gather with people, when you give someone, embrace someone a hug, oxytocin is released. The Lord has created a bonding agent that brings your blood pressure down, your heart rate down, calms you down. He created us for fellowship. He created us for relationship. Skipping church does a whole lot of damage to your physical health. I don't have to go this week. Meeting with someone and hugging them in increases your levels to decrease depression anxiety. All of these things leave when you're in fellowship with people you love. When you come around and hug and hold and talk to people you care about, all those levels increase. And it's actually therapeutic and healing to your body. Why do you think the enemy is warred so much to keep us apart? I'm not preaching to you about social distancing or not social distancing in, in, in that last season. I'm not saying wrong or right. What I'm saying is what the enemy meant for evil, God is going to turn to good in this season. Because while keeping people apart and putting them into massive depression, sickness in their body, hurting their health, their mental health, their physical health, what he didn't count on was for people saying, the world doesn't have the answers for me. I need something more. So as we come out of this season completely, as we see what came to pass that I prophesied, you know, I, I took a lot of heat. If you guys don't know, I took a lot of heat. For my prophetic word that I said, the Lord spoke to me last, I want to say it was July or August, where I said, I, the Lord told me that into April, when Passover came, that you would watch COVID just drift away. And that through April, it would no longer in Oklahoma be worthy of a news story. I, the Lord only spoke to me about Oklahoma because this is our region and he spoke to me concerning it. I didn't list down and say, Lord, what about Nebraska? And what about Kenya? And what... Everyone's got their own numbers, own system. 
But in Oklahoma, the Lord told me we'll no longer be worthy of a new story through April. And now we see the lowest numbers we've ever seen. Mask mandates are gone off, off Walmart. Everything I said came to pass as I said it in the month I said it. I took a lot of heat from it. I took heat from generals in the faith. I took heat from, from people that are well-known and respected saying, Ren, that's ridiculous. Like, you have to stop saying that. You just don't want to admit you're wrong. You sound like these other prophets prophesying over the nation and they were wrong. I've had people tell me that. And I said, well, through the month of April, I'll, I'll repent. If I'm wrong, I'll say, hey guys, I missed it. I'm sorry, I missed. But you watched it happen. The number's just, just fading away, like I said, in April. Just fade, 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 fade. So I believe that as the new season comes, as people begin to come out of hiding, they need hope, they need they need the presence of God. They need the reality that God brings hope. And the fact that we're pouring out the love of God here, the fact that we're pouring out the power and the revival of God here, that right there is the answer to their question. Where can I find hope? Where can I find peace? Where can I find salvation? Because this world doesn't do it for me anymore. Can you imagine a season where the fruit of man is so ripe that the things of the world have lost their flavor to them. Not to Christians, which is where it should have happened, but in the world. Where they're going, wait a second. This world doesn't have the answers and it's a false world and I'm waking up from the matrix. And they're starting to realize I'm a slave to the things of this world. And I can't be entertained out of this. Will we provide the answer? Will we be a place of hope and refuge? Will you go and risk it all with the kingdom of heaven that God has given you, with the giftings and love and salvation God has put in you? Will you risk it? Will you take your salvation and offer it to somebody else? Will you take your gift of love and offer it to someone else? Will you risk it all knowing it might be rejected? If you can't, will you just put it somewhere where it gets interest? Will you just invite them? <laughs> I've been asking the Lord, Lord, what do you want me to do? Like, how do you want me to go about this? He gave me this crazy idea that we're going to do. <laughs> we're just going to keep doing revival. We're going to keep inviting powerful men and women of God to come in here. But he told me, he says, gather some that are willing and go to the street corner. You know those spin signs that one side has an arrow? You know, you get the guys and they're spinning it. He said, make a couple of those. Take them out on the street corner out there at 152 every Sunday morning and just hold it out and say, come visit a church in revival. Come experience what revival is like. Salvations, healing, and miracles happen here. You're still on time for church. And just go out there with a line of people and just say, are you sick? Do you need prayer? And just let people know what's available because they're just looking for, hey, do you need hope? It's here. Do you need peace? It's here. I don't know exactly what the signs will say, but you get the idea. It's got to say it quick and short so they can drive by and go, yeah, I need that. And I believe people are just going to pull over and come to church because they're desperate. 
Here's the truth. I don't want to fill up the room to fill up the room. I want to fill up the room so people can get set free. Nobody's getting free, man. We need to go to a different church that is. I'll go with you. How's that? If revival breaks out somewhere else and the glory of God is inhabiting somewhere else, I'm just going to say field trip. I don't care if it's here. I just want it to show up. I don't care if it's through me. As long as I get to be in it. Lord, use me. Or use Crystal. Or use Chess. Or use Bill. Or use Misty. Use Wes. Use John. I don't care who you use. Pour it out. Pour it out. Let us each take the talents that were given to us and invest them into the kingdom. Pour them out. See, I don't think we grasp the concept of what it means to risk. The disciples understood it. Fotini understood it. The woman at the well, she understood it. They were martyred for the gospel. We're scared we'll get made fun of. Some of them went willingly. They're like, I long for heaven. I'm sick of this world. I'm going to put myself in danger because i got to get out of here. I'm tired of heaven being veiled. I want to be there. I want my heavenly reward. See, we truly don't look at heaven as a reward. We look at it as a backup plan if we can't make it here another day. It's our safety net. Lord, keep me here as long as possible, but if you don't, at least I got heaven. Don't get, don't get me wrong. Don't, let's not get dark on that. I'm not looking to go anywhere anytime soon. I got work to do. But I just don't care if he does call me home. I'm just not worried about it. I don't have any risk here, so I'm going to go places that are risky. Scary. <laughs> I'm going to put myself in places where people make fun of me. I'm going to put myself in places where they criticize me. Where they judge me and talk behind my back. And that's okay. I don't mind. Because I'm going to go to places where my life's in danger. So the criticism really doesn't hurt me. You know, as God elevates the platform of this church and the ministry that we're doing, this coming Friday we'll launch the Charisma podcast that God has given me through Charisma Magazine. And I believe this Friday, they haven't sent me the exact date, but I think it's on Friday as well. We'll launch my first article in Charisma Magazine that they're publishing. So God has given us this platform to talk about what's happening here and what God is doing through people and how to bring about the power of God to show up in our lives and bring the authority of God over our lives. That as we train and equip the body of Christ, we're not just equipping here, but we're equipping all over the world in continents and countries every single week. They join us online. They join us as we equip through our partners program, through the e-church. People from all over the nations have gathered to be equipped and trained. And God has given us this platform. But you get to be in person. You guys online, don't feel bad. Some of you get that in person. 
there's something that you receive. Hear me here. There's something that I can physically show you. The, 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 the hormonal balances. There's something you're receiving that they are not right now. That you guys are watching online. The room is getting something else that you don't get to receive. There is an impartation when it comes to laying on of hands. Now you online can receive a, a spiritual impartation. I've seen healings happen. I've seen blessings happen online amazingly. So I'm not discrediting that, but I'm saying you that are here get both. You get the in-person. You get the impartation. Catch everything that you possibly can from God. Don't leave here without your breakthrough or your miracle. Fight for it. Claw for it. Push through. Breakthrough. Shout down walls if you have to. But don't walk around and then give up. Don't take a lap around and say, I'm out of breath, so I'm done. Shout down the walls. Shout down that which holds you back. Because God wants to give you a harvest you didn't sow. This is a season where there'll be provision financially spiritually, emotionally, energy-wise. Some of you need more energy to accomplish what you're doing. God is giving you fruit in this season that you didn't plant. He's pouring it out. Be faithful with the fruit you are given. Freely you have received, freely give. When God gives you an abundance of harvest, do you know what happens if you don't give away some of that harvest? Goes bad, doesn't it? It spoils. There's nothing worth in the kingdom of God than some spoiled Christians. You ever meet a spoiled Christian? I don't mean a spoiled person. I mean a spoiled Christian. Well, God, you only gave me two times the increase I wanted four. Right? You gave me a Mercedes, but it was only a C-class. You ever meet one of those? I wanted the upgrade. You know what I'm talking about. There's always one of those. Or the spoiled ones that always have to one-up you. You meet those? And I was praying, and the Lord gave me a vision. Oh yeah, the Lord gave me two visions. I heard the Lord say that he wants to do healing today. Yeah, I heard that too, about an hour before you. Come on, we all know those. We all know some of those people. We all know those. God wants the kingdom of God working together. Let me tell you something that's on the horizon. Real quick, and I'll close. I'll just release us in a time of prayer and fellowship and air hugs or real hugs. So I had a vision yesterday while I was with Joe Moody. Uh, Rachel and Eli are down with Joe Moody today in Ardmore, ministering with her. And as I was praying, I started to see a vision in one of Joe's teams that was praying over me. As I, I've seen this vision, I'm like, ooh, this is Okay, what you doing, Lord? She started saying, more vision, Lord, more vision, Lord. And I'm, or she's like, give him visions, Lord. That's what she said. Give him visions, Lord. Give him visions, Lord. And I was just like, hey, here he is. 
right? Because I'm spoiled. You're already late. He already did that. So I didn't say anything because I'm really not spoiled. I'm like, yeah, yeah. So I started seeing this chariot. And it was like one of those like kind of Roman, Roman-looking chariots, you know. I'm not a chariot historian. It was like a Roman-looking chariot or Egyptian-looking chariot, something like that. And um, as I looked at the chariot, it caught fire. And there were just flames that came all over the chariot. And I was like, ooh, that's pretty. Um, and then I saw around the front there was no horse, but there was a white horse there. And I saw the Lord saddle, uh, uh, connect the horse to the chariot. And the Lord said, I'm preparing my armies to go forth in this season and release my fire. And he said to me, you understand that revival, there's another word for it. He said it's called war. It is war. When God pours out revival on the earth, what he has done is declare war against the enemy. He has drawn together the hosts of heaven and he has marched into battle for us. And what's crazy is is that I'm the third person or fourth person to see white horses. I can't even remember everyone that had seen white horses. You did, yeah. Deborah came up to me Sunday and she goes, I saw white horses. I've never seen white horses on the stage. And I'm like, you're a weirdo. That's cool though. Yeah. Just kidding. And then Krista didn't know, but then at women's group, she had seen white horses and she, they're both like, what are these white horses? And then I saw this vision of the chariot and it all came together that God has been bringing the strength of war to bring revival into this place. That he's making war on our behalf and he's sending the hosts of heaven to war on our behalf and bring breakthrough. If you need breakthrough, it's here. God's fighting for you. All you gotta do is just accept it. God, thank you that you fight my battles. Thank you that you are the warrior of all warriors that I don't have to fight, that you fight for me, that you go before me, you go behind me, you surround me, that your peace, that your shalom, you know the word shalom literally translates, the ancient word shalom literally translates the power to break the authority of chaos. Break the authority of chaos. To destroy the authority of chaos. Not just break it. It actually says destroy. Do away with. Shalom is so powerful, it doesn't just break something where it can be repaired. It cannot be put back together once shalom has come in and broke chaos off your life. I don't know who that word's for today, but I feel like as I said that, I saw one person and you have just been in a whirlwind of chaos. I don't want you to raise your hand because I'm, I'm going to bring some correction. And you say, I don't, just don't know why all this chaos comes against me. And you think somehow you're not involved in it. The Lord says, every time I show you a door that you should shut, you open it. 
And I keep telling you that door has chaos, yet you open it. The Lord wants to destroy chaos, but he wants you to leave the door shut and stop going through doors you don't belong in. I don't know why I got chaos, because the door was labeled chaos, and you said, I think I'll go in there. Oof. <laughs> you, you want you, I'm just going to say what the Lord's telling me to say you want peace you want tranquility you want the presence of God you want to destroy the works of chaos you want a healthy relationship you, you want a, a sane relationship you can't go to this a sane asylum and pick out a wife that's not where you pick out a wife and then you go, Lord, I don't know why there's so much craziness in my life. If you're going to draw from the well of dysfunction, you're going to reap dysfunction. You hear what I'm saying? This, this, uh, this applies in every area of, somebody's, uh, of many of your lives. But understand that. Don't draw from that well. Wow. Lorelei said she wrote a vision about a horse in her journal last year. Amen. Chariots and all. Come on, Lorelei. I don't know if you guys remember when I prophesied over her when we were having car services in the parking lot. I'm not pointing at anybody. I'm just pointing at the parking lot. I hate when people do that. And you're like, what? Where? But I prophesied over her when she was not in a season of prophetic. She had never seen any of that. She was still kind of relatively new to coming out of her shell with us. And I told her she was a prophet. And... Uh, Everything that I said had like come to pass over her life. It's just been phenomenal to see God work. And I went, whoa, this is a scary word. But I made a commitment that day that I would prophesy over every single vehicle that morning. And I did. Most of it has come to pass. I don't know if all of it has. I haven't checked. But she had, yeah, she had the vision, the white horses, the chariots, God's people armored up, the whole deal. Come on. And I only know that because Chris is putting it on the back screen so I know what she's saying online. I didn't know that ahead of time. I'm just, so some of you are like, oh, so you're giving someone else's word? No. Jesus. So I want you to know that God is warring on your behalf. Let me just release that in this room. In the name of Jesus, Father, I just declare that God is warring on your behalf. God is warring on your behalf today. If you will let him and surrender to his will, to his plan, to his placement, to his assignment over you. I just felt like even as I said assignment over you, I heard the name Sarah. I don't know if, um, but, but not as in one of the Sarahs in the room, but I heard Sarah as in Abraham and Sarah that God has given you a promise that you've laughed at, that you've said is, that's too much for me and it's not possible for me. You've rejected the, the assignment of God, not because you reject God, but because you just don't feel like you're up to that task, that you can't do it. And God says, I want the Sarahs in this room to start rising up and realize that I'm birthing something in them in this season and that I'm the God who can birth the impossible. I'm the God who can birth the impossible. Jesus. I make a way where there is no way. I don't just make paths straight. I create paths out of nothing. Jesus. So, Father, we just surrender this service into your hands, Lord. Thank you for moving in power and might. I release the Holy Spirit fire. 
We want to pray for you. Send us a message with your prayer requests through Facebook or email and let us know how we can pray for you today. Also, let us know how this message impacted your life. I love you. God loves you. Shalom.